It's Friday morning and the Sewing Safe series is back again. I'm Maria Theoharis or Blavosos and this is Sew Organised Style Podcast. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. A big sponsor shout out goes to our two podcast friends and sponsors. The Australian Sewing Guild, who has been our Monday Daily Series regular, is now a sponsor of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Go to ozsew.org to check out the online workshops, sew-alongs, skills library and more. Our second sponsor is Tatiana's School of Couture as she launches it online. Go to her website to see her new online sewing classes and patterns. Welcome back to the Sewing Safe series on Sew Organised Style podcast. Today we're welcoming back Margot Furt. Now Margot and her daughter Claire were on Sew Organised Style podcast in April talking about their love of couture sewing, but more importantly, their commitment to living sustainably with their love of sewing. So let's say hi to Margot. Hi Margot. Hi Maria. Hi everyone. Thanks for coming back onto the podcast. It's actually really good to see you again, seeing as they were not in the same place like we were in February. In February, yeah. No, I've really got to love all these podcasts that you are putting on and other people are putting on about wonderful subjects like sewing and solving problems and virtually traveling the world and learning about the world. So um, yeah, more to it. You're welcome. I'm really pleased that the idea has helped both myself and other people get through this time of social isolation. Well, you've got to do something, I think. Otherwise, yeah, it is very isolating if you think you're stuck in your four walls at home. Yes. Thank you for that. We started doing this Sewing Safe series with Sue Stoney because she's she lives in Perth, so she's an Australian local, and she does love remaking or reusing and things that she finds in op shops because she loves op shopping. And mm. yeah, and you contacted me about a coat. Now, there's a story behind this coat that you're saving. Mm. Can you tell us about that? Well, yes, it all started back in about 1977. My lovely grandmother had just died and my aunts had said, Margot, you're heading overseas to Europe for three months in winter. You'll need a coat. Take this one. And I looked at it and I thought, oh, it's such a grandmotherly coat. It was big and long. But, it, I mean, it, I, it reminded me of my grandmother. But apart from that, it was old already. The lining was on its last legs. And my mother said, you'd be mad not to take it because there's nothing else really and you'll need it. And I did. She said, when you're in London, go to Harrods and get the best buttons you can afford. So that's what I did. I mean, they don't even have a haberdashery sewing section there now. So I bought six beautiful two-tone green bone buttons and I've used them on lots of things. And when that item has died, I've taken the buttons off. And I was left with three buttons. But put the button story aside, I had forgotten about the purpose of the buttons. I just knew I had them. So this year was the year of discovering what was in my boxes. It's really sad. I'm in Canberra and the only physical store that's close to me where you can go and buy material, Mm. addicted to fabric in Philip, 
the building next door burnt down. So it's been closed since May. So you cannot buy thread, good lining or anything like that. So you are really relying on online stuff, unless you want to go to those complex shops, which I just don't like going there. Because I thought I found this material in the bottom of my box of half-started projects. And I thought, I don't even know if I've got all the parts to my coat because going back to 1977, I had a great time overseas, came back, and then I moved to Darwin and started teaching. Then I had children, I was working full time. And so the coat just got further and further down to the bottom of the box and I never looked at it until this year. So I pulled out all the bits. And for some reason, when I came back from overseas, the first thing I did was to take the lining off. So I was looking at pieces of a coat. Okay. So this is a coat that's 70 years old. I do remember the label said it had alpaca wool in it. So I don't know how there was an alpaca coat in in Sydney in 1950 or 1940s. The wool was beautiful. It, I'll put up a picture, but it's sort of a almost black but it's got a silver thread to it and there's not one moth hole it is just amazing it really is and it was a puzzle when I looked at how the pieces should go together because they're all undone they all butted perfectly you can see all the little triangles cut out all the seams it's just neat it's so neat so anyway I thought oh well I shall reline it and I didn't need a coat because I've lived in this cold climate for several years and I I have quite a lot of coats plus I've made lovely couture coats with Susan so I have a niece who's living here and she's just had a third child and she doesn't go out a lot but she said oh I'd love a coat and so I thought this will be perfect for her and so today in the 2020s a long coat with big shoulders and pockets it's perfect. Nobody minds the length. Nobody minds the raglan sleeves or anything like that. It's quite fashionable. So my task was to get some lining. So I ended up on Tasuti's website and I'd done some research on lining. I didn't want a silk because I thought it would be too fine for this fabric. So I wanted the best polyester lining. And they had this thing and it, it just had a number on it, mm. but it was a shot, a piece of shot material. So one side was lined with little green dots and the other side was more green with little lime dots. And my daughter, Claire, said, oh, go for the lighter colour. That'll look really good. So that's what I did. I ordered the material, and then I got a phone call three weeks later to say, we don't have four metres. And I said, oh, look, I'm away from home, and I haven't got a computer, and I can't look again. I've really got my heart set on that. You know how when you get set on a piece of material? Yeah, you do. And I just couldn't think of anything else. I didn't want a busy pattern. And he said, oh, leave it with me. I'll look at all our stores in Australia. And another three weeks later, four metres arrived. So this is the beginning of July. And I thought, oh, goody, goody. (laughs) So I got two. So my first job was to make, well, I had to cut out the lining. Yeah. So I got half the coat and cut it out. But problem was I forgot that I could cut out all the pieces, but my head was not in the right place. And I forgot that I was not actually making the coat again. I was making the lining because you've 
got the reverse collar goes in. Oh, yeah. So the actual piece at the front is different. Yeah. It's got inserted sleeves. So the, the collar comes around the neck and then one piece comes down into the pockets. And then there's another piece on top of that to make the front of the pocket. And that goes up the side under the arms. And then, of course, you've got the lapel here and it turns in. Uh, because of my couture training, I cut all the seams very wide. So I had three to four inches. On, Good. So I had plenty of room to move everything around and I got I got it all it was it was pretty good well done Margot so I was very excited about that so then my next job was to start putting at least half the coat back together so I could work out what it looked and in order to do that I wanted to make sure all the material was clean because it smelt musty Mm. not moldy and there was no moths but it was dusty it was very dusty so I got a good clothes brush and brushed all the seams I then and I don't know if this is um, a good thing to do or not but it seems to be still working I got some eucalyptus oil and put just a couple of drops in the iron oh yeah and then I made the iron really steamy and I steamed every part of the coat so I was giving it a steam clean and then where I sew, it's nice and sunny. Like people say, oh, Canberra's cold, but inside the house, it's just beautiful. So I put the coat on my dummy and leave it in the sun to dry. And gradually all that smell went and it just smelled beautiful and fresh and eucalyptus. So I'd undone half the coat. I had to undo the other half and it looked as though when it was made, they only had fine threads. So every seam felt like it was sewn six or seven times to make it strong. So it was very hard to unpick, nothing unraveled. It was a real hard pick. So you've got black thread on black material. I was going to ask that question, black on black. Oh, I needed the light. Mm. Like where I am now, you can see light. I could only do it up to four o'clock and then I'd have to stop. Mm. So I was confident I got it all undone and then I sewed it together. But I had to reimagine what the collar was like because because it was in a part, I didn't really know what the coat looked like. I'd forgotten after 40 years. So that took me a long time to stretch the fabric and work it out and which way the pockets were going, mm. but got it. So I got the whole coat together and then I had to turn it inside out, give it lots more steam cleaning ironing with the eucalypt and the room just smelled so beautiful. Mm. So then I had to start making the lining and the lining, it was just amazing. It, it took on a, a world of its own. I really fell in love with the light colour. And then when I got to the lapel, instead of sewing the lining to the reverse side, I didn't want it too bulky. So I made bias binding because I had so much fabric out of the lining. And then yeah. I used the reverse colour. So now I've got the green going down the lapel. Oh, okay. You can know the contrast. Yeah. And then I've hand sewn it underneath. After doing all the fell stitching, I did fell stitching around the collar to make it sit nicely. Wow. Um, I did the pleat at the back, attached at the top and in the middle at the waist and down at the bottom. So the lining went on pretty well, although it is problematic putting a lining in because it's just got to be the right size. I did the pleat hem on the the sleeve that was fine and then when I got to the hem of the coat I just couldn't get the lining to sit neatly in the hem of the coat because I went back to the original hem and there was no wear anywhere I think there were two holes like one tiny little wear hole there 
and another one on the seam, on the hem. So I was able to just do a little mend, blind mend on the inside, but none of the turnover areas were worn really. I mean, it's just amazing fabric. So I pinned it and it just didn't look right. It was too bulky and flying away. So I went for a good walk and I think this is a really good thing to do. When stuck, leave it. <laughs> and I went for a nice walk, long five, six, seven K walk. And as I was walking, I thought, I don't have to attach it. I can have it floating. So I made a feature of it. So I came back home, even though it was getting dark, I flipped the coat inside out, put the lining on, undid all my pinning, and then thought, I've got to put a new hem on it to make it neat. So I did that. And then I made ties from underneath the arm down to the bottom of the coat, five or six of them, yep. just with threads making it secure. Yep. on both sides and that anchored it and so the coat just sits perfectly now and I love it. Did you anchor the lining to the hem as well as down the side seams? Oh that's a good question. It's anchored at the lapel down the front yep. and then it's anchored down the side there but you've got short pieces like from the front to the mm -hmm. side so it's yep. two pieces like that. No the whole coat is pretty much free it's anchored inside. And I didn't want to put in stitches where there weren't any seams. So I've just got stitches there. And I think I've got an anchor at the bottom where there's a pleat. Yeah, and it's yeah. folded at the back, the middle back. That was it. And are you happy with what you've done? Yes. Yeah. You look happy. Getting back to the buttons, I put the lining in and I, I thought, no, now I've got to look for buttons. And I've got a great stash of buttons and I've got them all in little bags. First buttons I went to, I thought, oh, these are the ones I got in Harrods. How perfect. They are the exact colour. It's just amazing. So, you know, grandmother's up there telling me what to do, really. So it was a great way of getting something out of the old box, recycling it, and now it's going off to a new home. So I feel really good about it. That's a great story and you've done such good work on that and thanks to everyone who contributed. And it was enormous for me when I wore it. I was 21, but now it's, um, it's actually perfect. It doesn't smell. But my advice would be if you see a great coat in a secondhand shop, it's not that hard. You just have to get organised. I did Google the Threads magazine. They had how to line a coat without lining. There are lots of great videos on how to line a coat. I pulled a lot of my resources from doing the French jacket. I did extra things, like it did have old padding. It's got no shoulder pads. I put shoulder pads in. It's got, of course, no iron-on lining interfacing, but it had old interfacing. So I just used anything I had in my cupboard to line the top part here to give it a bit more stability but the rest of it's not lined or not interfaced it's just the lining that works so there we go but yeah i just go to work every day and work on the coat thank you so much for talking us through all the steps that you went through to give new life to the coat for your niece a word of advice is if you get stuck walk away and think of something else yeah, you could have asked somebody or got, I couldn't think of anyone around here that I could have got in to give me help, but I had to work it out in my head and it was the good mental activity, getting all the pieces together, working out how to clean the fabric. I didn't want it dry cleaned or anything like that. Honest, it doesn't have any smell at all. It just smells fresh and it feels so nice. The beauty of how you've cleaned the coat is you put in the drops of eucalypt, so that sort of freshened it up but also the way you dried it meant that there was no agitation so it wasn't going to ruin the finish of the wool no no the coat wool is still as amazing as it was when it was first bought 
So have you ever put eucalyptus drops in an iron? No, I haven't. So I think I'll have to use that. And I think it would be something I'll use for when I launder jumpers too, because I don't like washing jumpers. I air them like, or anything woolen, but to mm. put a steamy iron on with a bit of eucalyptus, I think yeah, it worked. And if it upsets the iron, I'll have, I'll get another iron. I'll have two irons. Yeah, one with the eucalyptus and one without. Yeah, exactly. That's wonderful. Thanks, Margaret, for coming on to the Sewing Safe series today. That's all right. Now I just have to find another project. Thank you so much, Margot, for walking us through all the steps you went through to refresh the fabric of the coat, add new lining, and reuse those wonderful buttons that you bought from Harrods so many years ago. So Organised Style podcast was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris, with permission of Margot, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to So Organised Style podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, CastBox and Lipson, our podcast distributor. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.